0: Welcome back, sparklers, to another episode of Ignite Your Spark with me, your host, Kim Duff-Selby. Now let's get those sparks going, shall we, as I introduce my fabulous guest today, Elizabeth Gould. I'm going to give you her little bio background, and then, of course, we'll start our conversation. Elizabeth received a BA in art history from Stanford, yeah, right down the street from me. And this is really cool. She worked in the old master's art world in New York City, and I want to hear more about that because I don't even know what that means working in there, but we'll talk about that. She also has a master's in education and worked as an elementary school teacher for many, 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 many years and found her sweet spot was working with girls in puberty. Interesting. She has become a rites of passage educator for girls and women and the director of a nonprofit committed to positive menstrual menopausal education and awareness. And now she is the author of a beautiful book called The Well of Truth. And we will talk a little bit about that, but the themes in this are just so touching to women in particular, of course. And it grew out of her decades of experience as a mother the teacher, the menstrual activist, as well as, and here's just what I love so much, her love of mythology, goddess traditions, and the moon. Ah, I'm so excited. Welcome, Elizabeth, and thank you for joining me on Ignite Your Spark. Thank
1: you. It's my joy to be here today with you.
0: I love all this about the goddesses and oh my gosh, Divine Feminine is such a theme running through our lives. And as we just had full moon, right? Uh, I know that a lot of people are aware of things that go on in our bodies and all that. And you're certainly from menstruation to menopause. (laughs) We, We get all those goodies in our lives as women,
1: don't we? We sure do. And it's a wonderful thing to acknowledge that and to feel the energies that move in us, especially as women, we're cyclical beings. We're always changing like the moon and the tides. And so if we can find a way to connect to ourselves as reflected in the natural world, then we can have a sense of feeling our true power and our true
0: selves. That's so important. And it's also important for us to find men who can deal with us As we (laughs) traverse these cyclical natures of
1: life. (laughs) Exactly. That's a really important piece is that it's not just about women. It's women and men so that we can all evolve together and have this fabulous forward motion. Yes. And And it's it's
0: not that I mean to say, you know, women can not be partners with women, of course, but I'm just talking about the male energy that everyone deals with at some point. Regardless right. of and a we, relationship, yeah.
1: Right, and you know, as human beings, we all have masculine and feminine energies within us. It's just a matter of finding the balance and getting to know all of these different aspects of who we are. And, and that's a, a fun treasure hunt to go Yes, through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's, all right, well, I have so many things. But first, before we get into the questions I have, I often ask my Asks, I often ask my guests,
1: how do you ignite your inner spark? Well, if you had seen me 10 minutes ago, I was dancing around in my living room. I am a dancing fool, so anything that's got a good beat, I just can't help but move. So dancing, definitely. Moving my body, getting outdoors, walking in a beautiful place, and uh, just t- tapping into gratitude that... That just fills me up so all beautiful
0: Mm -hmm. answers i love it i agree with that i mean gratitude key dancing is a necessity in life (laughs) and those are beautiful answers so thank you and you know we were kind of doing a little dance before we got started too so i get that yeah well first of all let's go back to this working with the old master's art world what exactly i'm just curious what exactly did you do
1: Okay, so I worked for private art dealers who specialized in uh, selling art from what is called old masters. So that's the work of um, like Rembrandt, Dürer, Rubens, all of kind of what we would consider uh, art that's over two or three hundred years old, but high end high end art and so having studied that in school it was just glorious to be able to be surrounded by all of this beauty and these masterpieces and of course to be in New York City in the middle of all of that was just fabulous were you selling these pieces or yes, what were I, you doing uh, running galleries um, you know uh, I worked some in some museums in little capacities doing curatorial work um all, all different range of things, but it sounds so it sounds like, it. it.
0: It sounds like a dream job for an art history major.
1: Really? It was. It really was. It really was.
0: Because that's one of those majors like English, which I majored in, where you're like, and now what do I do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know, my dear old dad, he just really wanted me to become a lawyer. And I was like, I'm like, it's not in me. I need beauty. I need to just be in an environment that's, Uh, really touches in on all those things I love, you know, mythology, stories, symbols, you know, that's what I wanted to fill my world with. So uh, that's how I went. And I haven't looked back.
0: Oh, so awesome. However, then you decided, oh, okay, I'm going to leave this gorgeous arena because there's more to life. What got you into education?
1: Uh, Yes, that would be part of it. The funny thing was there was a a school uh, around the corner from where I worked that always had these fabulous images and paintings in the window that the students did. And I'd walk by every day and I'd say, that's so amazing. And one day I went in and just to kind of have a look around and the uh, woman at the front desk said, well, you know that we have a teacher training program. And that was like, okay, this is what I want to do next. And it was just an incredible experience. And, and then after that, to come back and teach at that school was kind of, you know, full circle. I love working with kids. There's just this openness to joy and spontaneity and possibility. That, that, that really kept me going, you know, just to feel that anything uh, is possible.
0: I really like the way you said that they're open to possibility And I believe that is something that we all forget, but that we should all embrace, that we should be open to possibility. And in your book, I find it very interesting because your main protagonist or whatever is, finds herself open to possibilities by the encounters she has with mystical, magical goddesses, or I don't even know, spirits, however you would describe that. But how did you find yourself in the arena of the goddess mythical creature world?
1: Oh, from a young age, I just loved fairy tales and myths and legends from other places. Um, There was one point that was really a formative time, and that's when my parents took me to see the King Tut exhibit Uh in 1978 when it came through Los Angeles. And I just remember, like walking in and there was just all of this gold and precious gems and these these uh, fantastical deities and the mummy. And I, I just wow, this is this. It brought to life this whole other culture and tradition that just fired my imagination. And so I, I just love learning about ancient and, you know, cultures, different parts of the world. And and then in my 20s, I went and traveled around the world, spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and India and and learned about the traditions there. And I was so delighted to see that there were so many female deities. And I've been involved in women's circles and, you know, so many different ways because it's just it's just a, something that I, I love I love exploring and learning about because it helps me understand who I am and uh, the powers that exist within me. We're all connected. We're all connected. I just think that's fascinating.
0: Did you travel after you worked in the art world or before? After. After, So so interesting. And what? this is your first book, right, that you've written? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. What inspired this book? I mean, was it based on your own life? Because it's a really interesting uh, weaving, I guess, mm. as it were, of a woman's growth.
1: Right. Um, I will say it is definitely loosely autobiographical. You know, I wanted to anchor these stories in in something that was real for me, um, experiences, and then and then kind of just open them up and see like what wanted to happen, who wanted to show up in the stories, to have a starting point but not know the ending, not knowing where it was going. And I took this this book on as a creative project for myself while I was uh, raising my daughters. I I love to write and 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 I just took little pieces of my life experience and thought, what, what would it be like if I looked at this from a mythic lens? And what what would it be like if I saw my life as something bigger and, and was open to um, wisdom that appears to be from outside of myself but it's actually from within and so it was just a, it was just a chance to play and it took me a long time because I'd write one story here and one story there and then in the end I strung them together and it worked so it's very much like you you intuited that that you could just kind of pick in here there and somehow they all work together each one's like a little snapshot and a photo album.
0: Well, when I first started reading the book, I thought it was because it's called The Well of Truth, Stories of Spirit. And I thought, oh, it's little short stories. And I didn't read anything about it. I just read it. I like to just read without having researched the book, as it were. And so I read the first little chapter. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then I read the second one. And I was like, oh, int-. And then I read the third one. And I'm like, oh, it's a story. They all tie together. <laughs> they weave together. And then I just got so absorbed in the deities and the, the experiences that she is having. How did you? So, how many years did it take you to write it?
1: Oh, it took <laughs> probably a good seven, eight. And then I sat on it, like it sat on my computer for two or three years before um, I actually tried to shop it out to a publisher. So it just had a long gestation process, which I think is what, okay, you
0: know. Oh, well, because you, we all have that gestation process in all the different arenas of our lives. From, as you say, you know, through going through puberty, through going through... Marriage, birth, not that everybody does this, and divorce and menopause. Mm -hmm. And really, it's really interesting how you brought in all the deities and the mythical, well, I don't want to say creatures, spirits. Characters. Characters. Do you have a favorite?
1: Do you have like a deity or a favorite that you want to share? Oh my gosh. If I get struck by lightning by choosing only one, (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Um, (sighs) you know... Artemis is my gal I'm 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 a moon lover and so I really I really connect to her as does the um, you know the protagonist of the story uh, tell us I'm what about Artemis tell us oh she's you know she has this they call her a virgin but it really means that she's sovereign unto herself very connected to the natural world Protector of, of women and children, lover of the natural world and animals. Uh, mm. Of course, she's one with the moon, and she's she's a powerful a powerful being. Ooh. yes, so nice. But I don't. And know she's pretty a, good at archery. Oh, well,
0: <laughs> perfect. That's yes. always helpful. One never knows when you need to pull out never that bow it. and arrow, whether right. it is a virtual bow <laughs> and arrow, or you <laughs> need to just sort of imagine yourself. Flinging that arrow somewhere—that's like that. You know, yeah. one of the stories that really—I don't know why it stuck with me—and I think it's when. Well, you live in New Zealand now, so just everybody knows I'm talking to Elizabeth in New Zealand, and it's the next day, and she says it's going to be great. So I'm—I'm um, believing that fabulous
1: best day of your life tomorrow. It's coming
0: up. I Get love ready. it. So you wrote about, here's our book for those of you watching it on YouTube. Uh, you wrote about picking up a rock when you were visiting, in, it was New Zealand, wasn't it, in this mm-hmm. book? Mm-hmm. And how you were not supposed to take that rock and you got physically sick because you had taken that rock. Well, not you. Excuse me, the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> but I wondered if, if anything like that, did you find that to be true? Is this something that is true in life in New Zealand?
1: Uh, there, I believe that there's, yes, energetic parts to the natural world that that there's a uh, you know, the sense of taking something from. Its place of origin. Uh, I, I believe that that's true. In, in New Zealand, there's it's part of the Maori culture. You know that that you respect the natural world that way yeah. by leaving things where they are. And
0: uh, well, I think that's true of a lot of places. You should not be taking all the shells from the beach. I mean, I do. Th- right. They get replenished, but um, you know the volcanic lava wherever you are. I mean, they're there. Do not pick the flowers when you're on a hike. Leave everything right. as it is. Right.
1: I mean, it's very tempting, though. I mean, I love rocks and shells and things. I sometimes do it, but then I always try to return it at some point.
0: Well, I think shells are different, too. There are beaches I know that I've been to that will say, do not take the shells. But then Mm. there are beaches where, of course, because they're coming in wave after wave where
1: it's perfectly acceptable to do so. That's right. That's right. And sometimes having something is a little like a talisman reminder to me. Right. Like I picked up this stone and it always reminds me of something, um, you know, the, a lesson or of something that, a uh, quality that I'm working on. And so they do have that function as well of um, helping me remember. Remember. Yeah, they I have am.
0: magic. They have magic power sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah yes. like in the book, The Magic by Rhonda Byrne, she suggests you get mm. a rock or it you know a gem or whatever, and you every night before bed you say something that was it's your magic rock that was great about that day, the thing you were most grateful for that happened that day, and I've been doing that for months and months and months and months ever since I wow. read the book. I just have a little it's a little quartz, a little rose quartz mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 2 seconds you just pick it up and i think that's something that you gather on a trip or that a talisman something that has meaning for you you can imbue that magic in it that divine feminine wisdom that magic from wherever you mm-hmm. were where
1: you got it as long as you're being respectful so absolutely and and i think too that you know with crystals and and different gemstones that, that you can amplify energies with that I feel like the natural world um, is are also tools to help us grow, and that they want to help us grow. You know, having a practice like that is really a beautiful thing, and it's yeah. it's simple. It connects you to the the stones and the earth. And the the earth, 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 yeah, we yeah. are connected,
0: and we can be connected from a bajillion miles away. You in New sure. Zealand, me in California, right? And a uh, part of that connection comes with tangible objects from the earth because we are all standing on the earth that's right that's right and i know that has nothing to do with your book but i just had to say it <laughs> oh, but it does it
1: does i guess it does it has it has a lot to do with it that you know one of the uh, Kind of one of the themes that I that I see in the book is that this is a, a modern woman who is you know trying to find a way to embrace change. Like in her life, you know it, it it's constantly evolving and changing, and how you know how to kind of move flexibly and gracefully through the changes. And she keeps referring herself and resourcing herself back into the natural world as mm-hmm. you know as a touchstone in her life to you know the moon is constantly evolving um, you know going around in its cycle and changing faces and and she is too and she's kind of learning to to ride the waves of life by touching into those natural forces mm. Yeah, that's... but so you were right on. <laughs> I was, wasn't I? Mm, yes, you Smarter were. than
0: I think. Yeah. One of the other themes that runs throughout the book, and I did highlight this package, was Grace gathered her daughter in her arms and showered her with kisses, knowing full well that time is a gift you must learn to give yourself. Wow. I mean, that's really a powerful statement right there, that time is a gift you must learn to give yourself, because so many women don't give themselves the time to self-nurture, to take care of themselves so that they can give to others.
1: It is so true. and uh, You know, I just keep remembering that mantra. If if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. That yeah. there's, you, you know, uh, and yet we, we live in a society that really values um, usefulness, uh, multitasking, producing. If I'm not doing what am I you know that that uh, it's hard just to be because it's like oh, oh, I, I I have to keep busy and 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 I think that there's a lot of us that are that, that feel that and and maybe the pandemic uh, which in some ways has, open things up and we've had this opportunity to think, hmm, what, what do I need in order to live a meaningful, authentic life? And slowing it down may be a very helpful thing. And of course, when you're, that story that you just read the passage from is when, you know, Grace has two little kids and it's hard to, to kind of carve out a space, but that's our creative project. How can we do that to nurture ourselves? Yeah. How do you, so how do you like to do that? What, what, are there any things uh, so that oh, you...
0: Yes, I take baths. I take baths. I escape into the bathtub because I feel that I have to produce, produce, produce. I just do. It is part of my nature. I need to make money. I need to produce. I need to do this. But I do give myself, I'd say, five out of seven days of bath. I know. Right. I it's a really important. But I even did that when I had kids. I would take a bath before mm. they came home from school. That's just been mm. a self-care ritual and I work out. I do Quick. yoga, I do something to move my body for me mm. every day. Mm-hmm. So, I do take time but I still feel like I'm pushing a little too much sometimes, but
1: Well, it's 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 the cultural imperative, you know, and it yeah. it, it does it does take something to kind of pull back a little and regroup, catch a breath, but you're doing, you're doing many wonderful things. A bath. That sounds really good. right? I know. I love that.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, Elizabeth, we are running near the end of our okay. time together because zoom is telling me that. Okay? okay. Just full disclosure to people. Okay. I thought I had the, the one that was unlimited, but it's telling me it's going to run out. So we are going to have to end this. I'm so okay. sorry. Are there any other things that you want to share with my listeners, uh, any mm, goddess tips or tricks? I don't know. Something that you want to share before we uh, hang up the phone, as it were.
1: Absolutely. I would say, uh, you know, to all of the listeners right now, to go on this quest of, of imagining your most mythic self, go outside and touch a tree, smell a flower Watch a sunrise or a sunset. Kind of tap into this kind of eternal magnificence that's always there and available to support us in our unfolding. So just go, go. and it's free, you know? Yeah, touch a tree, go.
0: touch the ground, put your feet on the earth. yeah. Yeah. yeah, Beautiful. All right. I really do want to encourage everybody to read the book. It's simple. It's easy. It's a great summer read,
1: The Well of Truth, yes. Stories of Spirit. And where can people find you, Elizabeth? They can find me at my website, elizabethagouldstories.com. Great. And I'll put that in the show notes and ways to contact
0: you. And I just, I'm so grateful for your time today. I'm sorry I had to cut a little bit short, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you from California to New Zealand. I love it. Hey, Sparklers, thanks for tuning in. And I apologize for cutting off Elizabeth a little short because Zoom decided that I was a fraudulent account and they cut me off. But don't worry, it's figured out and I'll be back next week with another episode. And if you are enjoying these, please, I invite you to, oh, give me a five-star rating, write a little note about how fun my podcasts are if you're enjoying them and share them because then we can share more spark ignition with the world because remember, we need your light. So go out there and shine on. Walk through life.
1: Every day is a new beginning. Shine.